You made a great decision once again. Joining us in the trenches with Dave Lapham, brought to you by First Star Logistics, because joining us in studio today, color analyst for the Buffalo Bills, Eric Wood. Eric Wood was a great player at Elder High School in Cincinnati. The last two years for Eric Wood, they went 18-2 and two as a football team and won two state championships. He goes to Louisville on scholarship. He's a freshman All-American. I mean, he goes to the Buffalo Bills as the first pick, the 28th pick of the draft. Has a brilliant nine-year career there, and now he's he was a Pro Bowl uh, player. Made the Pro Bowl in 2015. Now he's doing games on radio and doing an outstanding job of it. Eric Wood has a lot to talk about with respect to the Bills, the injuries they're dealing with, what happened during the game against the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, the post-mortem of that and what they're looking at the rest of the season. I think that there's a strong chance at some point in time in the playoffs, these two football teams may be meeting again. Two premier quarterbacks, no question about that, Josh Allen and Joe Burrow. How about Joe Burrow? 6-0, prime time, 5-1 against Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen. 3-1 against Mahomes, 2-0 with Josh Allen. Joey B getting it done. What a brilliant move you made joining us in the trenches with Dave Lappin brought to you by First Star Logistics coming to you from our studios as always, which are outstanding because we have an outstanding guest. We have Eric Wood, Elder High School graduate. Elder was 28 and two the last two years that Eric Wood was there. They, they won consecutive state championships when Eric Wood was there. He goes to Louisville, he makes freshman All-American. He's a two-time first-team All-Big East center. And he gets picked in the NFL draft, first round, 28th pick of the draft. A brilliant nine-year career with the Buffalo Bills. And he played in the 2015 Pro Bowl. Uh, the, the dude's a Pro Bowler. Now, he's a color analyst for the Buffalo Bills Radio Network. And we're very pleased and proud to have Eric Wood join us. What's up, my man? Hey, what an intro that was. Thank you, Dave. <laughs> I'm going to have to start bringing you around with me. Uh, have you do my introductions from now on. That was uh, That was great. Thank you. Now it's well deserved. I mean, you every single level you've achieved uh unbelievable success, as well as being academic all-American, if I'm not mistaken, at Louisville. Am I right on that? I was academic all big east. I don't think I won academic all-American, okay. but I, I was academic all big east. That's that's good enough. That's good enough for me. I mean, so there's a guy that understood what student athlete meant. There's student tagged to athlete, right? I mean. You uh, took advantage of that fully, and congratulations for that. Thank you. So we saw a, a very interesting football game. Before before the game, though, did did you hear anything about what DeMar was going to do, how he went out? To, or was that after the game when DeMar went out and had his time, his private time, and, and, and reflected back on everything? And the fact that he's uh, going to fund these 10 scholarships and the names of, of people here in Cincinnati that helped him, um, you know, Take care of. They took care of him after the football game, uh, and, and brought him back to life. Literally, I mean, it, he, he's a special guy, isn't he? Did you guys know anything like that was going to happen? 
I didn't personally. I'm sure there was uh, others that were privy to that situation. So the night before the game, he was able to take out those 10 people, take them out to eat, and show his appreciation for them in that way, and then surprise them by saying that there's going to be scholarships named after all of them in their honor. Classy move. And, you know, DeMar's been inactive for most of the games this season, and that's not injury-related. That's simply because he's the fourth safety on the depth chart, and he was last year as well. He was playing in that Bengals game because they had multiple injuries at safety, and so it's no knock on him as a player uh, that wasn't you know already there. They returned Jordan Porter. They returned Micah Hyde, and Taylor Rapp was brought in in free agency, so he remains the fourth safety, uh, but a special young man um that that has has done well for himself seventh round draft pick coming out of pittsburgh i covered him uh when he was in the acc playing at the university of pittsburgh when i was working for acc network and espn and i i saw it um on pat narduzzi's face when he would talk about demar hamlin in production meetings we'd say hey give us one guy that's kind of under the radar and he'd say demar hamlin he's exactly what we want our players to be he's from pittsburgh he comes from a great family he's our hardest worker and so it was neat for me to see him then go to the Bills and what he's done with this instant stardom and how he's leveraged that platform has been remarkable. Uh, it, it it really has. I mean, he he is uh, the fact that the fact that he is back with an NFL team ten months, you know, and back earlier than ten months comes back to Cincinnati ten months after that occurred, and it, that was such a, a gut wrenching thing to witness. I mean, the emotions and. Uh, the way everybody reacted and responded was was pretty incredible. It was a dynamic evening, you know, in, in so many different levels. And to see him able to come back physically and make a football team and and assume the role that he assumed before the uh, the tragedy is just it's mind boggling. Yes, it, it truly is. And you know, I know that was an emotional scene for him to walk back into. I mean. The guys that were on the field, everyone in the stadium was affected by it, but no one more than DeMar. And so he met with the team last week to simply tell them, hey, let's focus on the game this week. I know a lot's going to be asked of you guys. And he said, look, I understand that it was likely harder for you in those moments after the game and that those weeks after because – DeMar's in a hospital room for a week, and then he's just he's rehabbing through that time. Well, the team is the one that doesn't know what's going on, and they're emotionally wrecked having to prepare for a game. He said, you know, I just want you guys this week to not worry about me. I'll be fine walking back into that stadium. I feel great. You know, we're going to do some things to honor those involved. But all that being said, just focus on the game. So classy move by him there as well. So the game that was played before the tragic uh instance that took place with DeMar that night Bengals score on their first drive Bills come right back and score kick a field goal looks like a potential track meet this football game that was just played Bengals score Bills score Bengals score I'm thinking man we got the track meet and then all of a sudden the batons drop a little bit and it becomes a, a very different football game what what are some of your takes after uh after witnessing the the, the Bengals and Bills game this uh this past weekend yeah, I'll start with the Bengals. They're a different team than they were those first four or five games of the season. They're they're truly a different team, even a different team really coming out of the bye. You know, I believe coming out of the bye, you now see a fully healthy Joe Burrow. You see uh, a less banged up team in general getting back to what they do best. And look, 
I don't care who your quarterback is. If he can't manipulate the pocket, that's going to make every O-line look worse than they really are. It's going to make the receivers and the, your playmakers not play as well. It makes you more predictable in the run game. I mean, that game against Tennessee when they got smoked, he couldn't even go under center to drop back. And look, right. you earn your respect from your teammates when you go out and do something like that. But they weren't in a position to win that football game. They lose it 27-3, to but that's not the team that they are right now. This is an impressive is an impressive Bengals team that looks like they're at the top of the AFC with the Chiefs, the Dolphins, and maybe the Bills, um, seeing how the rest of the season plays out and if they're able to kind of overcome all these injuries and all that. But they're, they're right back at the top of it. I was super impressed with him. I'm impressed with Zach Taylor and Callahan and how they – dictate to a defense especially at the beginning of games you know it's the preparation it's the opening script you know that's when you that's a lot of times how you can judge an offensive coordinator in their preparation and man they marched down the field those first two drives in chunks and it was formations it was personnel that stressed the defense it was four wide receivers on one side and it's a screen okay you're going to walk out there now we have the lightest box we could ever imagine to run into and then you see a 12 yard gain on a run by joe mixon and it was it was impressive to see. And so really impressed with uh, the offense. The defense for Cincinnati uh, was great. You know, they give up 18 points in the game. Yes, the Bills marched down the field on their first drive. But Lou Anarumo and how he's able to constantly switch up coverages and it's it's complex coverages. It's getting guys to think, oh, it's a, it's a too high look when they look to their first progression and then they look to the opposite side and think they're going to pull the trigger. And it's completely different. And that's – that's tough to do, but it shows um, you could do it with continuity, and they've had that, uh, especially at the quarterback position. And, you know, you talk about this is a different football team. You have two new safeties. Safeties are so vital in Lou Anarumo's scheme because of how he messes with coverages on the back end, and you're seeing those two young safeties grow into their own on the back end as well. Very impressed with this Bengals team right now. And then flipping it over to the Bills, they march down the field and score right away, and they're in that up-tempo, no-huddle offense. They're dictating to the defense. Well, we heard yesterday from Sean McDermott and Ken Dorsey, part of the reason they got out of that was the fact that Cincinnati's had a couple long drives. We can't stick our defense right out there in case we go three and out. We're backed up, and so backed up isn't always the best time to go um, into a no-huddle, up-tempo offense. And I felt like early on in the game, they were dictating to Cincinnati. And it was schemed plays. It was formations and motions that were that were stressing the Bengals' defense. And then as the game wore on, it just seemed like they got into, hey, Josh, drop back and pass, read the defense, and, and take the open throw. And it worked at times. But then you see a mistake on the interception he threw. You see some times where he didn't pull the trigger to the, to the right guy. And, and there just wasn't enough kind of scripted in to make it easy on Josh against that defense. You know, I, I had to feel bad for, badly for Kincaid because, I mean, this, this rookie tight end, you know, he's expanded his role. He was doing a lot of red zone, good things in the red zone, but he's much more than, than that now. And, uh, you know, it wasn't for lack of effort. I mean, he's trying to get everything he can, and he decides to try to, you know, hurdle. And uh, in, in my mind, it's like when, when Josh Allen's doing this pump fake he always does, stay on your feet. I mean, don't don't be don't join the paratrooper club, you know, stay on your feet. And of course he, you know, he got Scott and got the penalty by, you know, taunting him a little bit after he got him to go airborne. But I think the same thing, unless you're going to try to score at the goal line, when you leave your feet like that, bad things can happen, either injury or turnover. And Pratt just found the ball with his fist and punched it out of the, out of theirs. I, I feel 
badly for for Kincaid with that turnover because it certainly wasn't, you know, he was trying too hard, I guess, if, if anything. But those two turnovers, the interception that that Allen threw in that fumble, I mean, the Bengals had had no giveaways. I'm two, they beat two teams in a row now, Eric, and San Francisco on the road in Buffalo. San Francisco on the road, they had no offensive penalties at all. And they had one cheap uh, call on DJ Reader, a 15-yard rough passer penalty that was bogus. I mean, he just sacked them. And they should have gotten out of that game with no penalties, so no self-destruction against Buffalo, no turnovers. And they and they got, you know, a couple of takeaways. That that ended up in the type of game that it ended up being. Those turnovers always dictate it, don't they? They do. And I said leading into the game, look, it was a two-and-a-half point spread. It went down to one-and-a-half. I think it stayed around two. I'm not exactly sure. But when you factor in home field advantage, they're essentially saying these teams are about even. Yep. When you have two elite quarterbacks, when you have two well-coached teams like the Bills and the Bengals are, I said before the game, I said, show me the red zone touchdown percentage in the turnover battle, the turnover difference, and I'll show you the winner. Whatever team's able to capitalize in the red zone, and they both went two for three in the red zone, but the Bills, on their one, they turned the ball over, so they don't even get three there, so that's costly. And then the Bills have two turnovers in the game to the Bengals, none, and that's what happens. Then you lose by six points, which it didn't even feel really that close throughout the game because it was you know, a two-score game for a majority of it. But, you know, that's what happens. You 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 simply uh, have the two turnovers. You don't score the one time in the red zone at all, and you lose by six points. Right. Very good point. I mean, the other thing, too, that uh, is interesting, the, the 49ers game and then Buffalo game for the, for Cincinnati, they they score on the opening drive, and, and they won the coin toss. Instead of deferring, they wanted the football. They score on the opening drive. In both of those football games, eight quarters of football – against Super Bowl contenders, they never trailed for one snap. They scored, assumed a lead, never relinquished the lead. They were tied momentarily, you know, when the other team scored on their first drive. But then they take the lead once again. They never took a snap, though, trailing in those two games against two outstanding teams for one snap. And that That's huge. It, it affects play calling so much on every phase when you're playing with a lead like that. Oh, it truly does, and especially your defense, because then you're not able to stay two-dimensional offensively, and your pass rushers, that's where you see Hubbard and Hill and Hendrickson's having a monster year. Part of that is because, and Hendrickson's really come on in these last five or six games, I believe all of his sacks are seven or eight, seven of eight of his sacks came in the last five games for the Bengals, so that's because their offense is playing better. They're playing with the lead more often, and it allows him to simply pass rush and not worry about the run element as much and so yes I mean I was interested to see if the Bills would have won the toss if they would have taken the football because similar to how the Bills were able to beat Miami and make them one-dimensional if you can start off a game and march down and score a touchdown that instantly puts pressure on the other team's offense and then you know, you get a stop or two and get up two scores. Okay, now we can simply rush the passer. Now Lou Anarumo can dial up these complex coverages. Now he can fire uh, Mike Hilton off the slot and let him get in the backfield and cause some havoc. And, you know, you let Lou Anarumo get in his bag, then, you know, he's he's going to make it tough on an offense. Mike Hilton, you make mention of, how about that dude? Ten unassisted tackles. I mean, that he's he's a little tackling machine, man. He is so such such a sure tackler and – they get very when he engages. They get very few yards after that contact. It, it really is remarkable. Josh Allen, he got his 18th touchdown pass. He rushed for his sixth touchdown. 24 touchdowns. 
but he did throw an interception. He's got nine interceptions now. He's lost two fumbles, 11 turnovers, 11 giveaways. The the yin and yang of Josh Allen, where are, where are you with that? Yeah, so, you know, Josh has three turnovers in that Monday night football game to start the season against Aaron Rodgers, and that was the most watched Monday night football game in NFL history. And so the whole country's talking about it, and then he plays three weeks of phenomenal football. And heading into the Bengals game, he's first in the NFL in completion percentage, first in the NFL in touchdowns. But even throughout the season, it's kind of been this balancing act of, do we let Josh run, which he has about a third of his normal rushing attempts on a season right now, so he's not running the ball as much. And so it's, do we try and constrain him, or do we kind of let Josh Allen do what he does? And by letting Josh Allen do what he does, you've seen him make the playoffs the last four years, and you've seen them you know, make it to the AFC Championship game once, but by reeling him in and maybe trying to get him to play more conservative, can that gets you over the hump. And so they're trying to balance that and figure it out. And, you know, with any mobile quarterback, as their career goes, you want them to develop into more of a pocket passer. But, you know, the strength of his game is using his athleticism, using his playmaking ability. And so it's a balancing act. And look, I mean, the times where Josh Allen was scrambling out of the pocket and running around, he had no turnovers in the game. One time he's sitting right in the pocket trying to make a coverage read, which Pretty heads up play by uh, Cam Taylor Britt to say, look, I'll give Josh the flat here. I know he thinks it's cover two, but I'm going to sink right in that cover two hole shot because I feel the route. I mean, that's yep. a heads up play by him. And, you know, it's instances like that where Josh is getting those turnovers, almost trying to play in a more conservative way, if that makes sense. It totally does. And there's 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 no doubt about it. I mean, the Bengals, and I'm sure this is basically the game plan for every football team. That Buffalo plays control Allen and Diggs. You know, I mean, that's 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 the big deal. And if you can frustrate Diggs and cause some kind of sideline explosion, you know, where he loses his cool, that's even better. And they had Cam Taylor Britt on him quite a bit, and Cam's very physical. Cam will chirp at you, you know, and and I think that was part of the deal was trying to get in, in Diggs's head. And I, I I think I heard where he told the reporter or something going off the field at halftime. I haven't broken a sweat yet. I mean, he wasn't happy about the lack of activity that he was getting. He's a great player, but he's a complicated dude to deal with, isn't he? A little bit. And some of it's blown out of proportion. And, uh-huh. you know, um, and I'll say this, you know, I, I wasn't exempt from throwing my helmet on the sideline. I just wasn't a superstar player. So no one ever talked about it on a podcast or on TV. And so uh, some of it's blown a little bit out of proportion, but there's, I mean, he's a big-time player. He leads the NFL in targets, catches, third in the NFL in touchdowns and yards. First in touchdowns, third in yards. I mean, he's a big-time player. In this age of fantasy football and whatnot, you know, Stephon Diggs gets a lot of attention. And so, yes, when you're able – you know, the cameras go on him and he's throwing his helmet or he's slamming an iPad, you know, that that becomes a big deal. But – what he's been for this franchise over the last few seasons has been remarkable. I mean, he has been such a consistent presence. You start off the game and you script him a wide receiver screen that he takes for 32 yards. And he has two catches for almost 40 yards on that first drive. And then I don't even believe he was targeted again until the second half. And so to me, where there's times where you want to spread the football around and get other guys involved, sometimes you just make it too complicated. And you simply got to feed the ball to digs. And sometimes even if, you know, if they're going to roll safeties over the top and do all that, throw them a screen like you did on the first drive of the game and keep those guys involved. 
no doubt. And, and the same thing with Jamar Chase. I mean, obviously Buffalo is paying a hell of a lot of attention to him. Both of these receivers since the beginning of 2022 are top five in the NFL in receiving yards. I mean, they've been doing it for a bit now. Um, and so, I mean, Buffalo's clouding and they're doubling and they're doing everything to Jamar Chase they, they possibly can. And this is where the Bengals had their tight ends show up in this football game. It had been a malign position. They were like, the fans were all up in arms because trade deadline passed. They didn't get any tight end. You know, that, that was, that was a big deal. Well, the tight ends get targeted 13 times. They come up with 10 catches as a group, 101 yards and two touchdowns. Joe Burrow's two touchdown passes go to the tight ends. And then T Higgins is targeted nine times, eight catches for 110 yards. So basically Joe Burrow's not going to force feed if it's not there to Jamar Chase. And they have, other weapons to distribute the football to. So it is a fine balancing act, isn't it? You, you want to make sure that your playmaker is involved as much as, as, as can be, but then you have to make a decision on how much is too much, I guess. Right. And, and when you talk specifically about those tight end targets, that's attacking a weakness of the bills with Matt Milano out for the season with a knee injury. And then Terrell Bernard leaves the game with a head injury, well, now you have a rookie linebacker that has very little experience at all and an unathletic, I don't want to say unathletic, not as athletic linebacker in Terrell Dotson. He is a good athlete. He's just not the athlete that uh, Milano or Bernard sure. are. Well, sure. now you're attacking a weakness. And so, okay, if they're going to play zone, we can sit in those zones across the middle of the field. We can attack those guys in coverage. And if they play man-to-man, that's exactly where we're going. We're going to take advantage of that mismatch. And then you see 13 targets. And, man, that touchdown by sample. I mean, you have a blitz by the Bills. Micah Hyde's in mad coverage. All pro safety, Micah Hyde, one of the smartest players in football. So he says, okay, if you're going to block, I'll just add on to the blitz. Right. As soon as he does, sample burns him and leaks out of the backfield. And uh, I'm, I'm not sure if that was predetermined before the snap, but – it was either an awesome play by Sample or an awesome call by Taylor. Regardless, it was a, it was a great play to to take advantage of the Bills blitz in that manner. Yeah, I think it's a built-in uh, part of the concept. He was into slow block, and when when his when when Hyde was he, he had attached himself, added on uh, late, you know, with the delayed blitz, and Sample can leak, and and for Joe Burrow to recognize it as quickly as he did. You know, they have to kind of be on the same page and he found him quickly. And, you know, then sample, uh, you know, he also made somebody miss at the five yard line um, and, you know, and, and ended up scoring. That was, that was a big play. That was a huge play. There's only his second touchdown reception of his career. That's not a, a typical role for sample. He's more of a, almost like a third tackle. I mean, he's an end of the line blocker for the Cincinnati Bengals does a lot of the blue collar dirty work. So it was good to see him get, that kind of love on a, on a nationally televised game. One of my so, good one of my good buddies after the game said he's going to have to apologize to, for everything he ever said uh, about Sample over the years about not being able to be anything of a receiving threat after he made that touchdown. <laughs> Unbelievable. Was there anything to your to your knowledge? Was there anything that uh, that the Cincinnati Bengals did that surprised the Buffalo Bills? Did you hear anything post game where Boy, it was this was totally different than, than than we expected. I agree with you. I think the linebacker position, they're so young and inexperienced, and then the injuries on top of it, that was going to be a target anyway. And uh, and the Bengals, uh, you know, obviously went went in that direction, you know, offensively. Was there anything that that uh, didn't unfold the way you had heard it might in terms of Buffalo? 
I don't think so. I mean, that's they used this very similar recipe that they used in that Monday night game in the first quarter of that Monday night game a year ago. Very similar recipe to uh, that playoff game. Now, what Buffalo did, and I appreciate this from Sean McDermott taking over the play calling duty and, and duties on defense. Last year in the playoff game, they played off coverage and allowed Joe Burrow just all these free access throws. They didn't give him those free access throws in this game. Now, Joe Burrow, I thought, did a great job of attacking matchups and, and making quick reads. I mean, you think of that Tyler Boyd play that essentially ends it when they go across midfield at the end of the game. That's a deep out route. Joe Burrow knew before the snap it was man-to-man coverage, and he knew exactly where he was going with the football. I mean, that's that's good football, and, and, and that's a, a great concept there. I love the aggressiveness by the Bengals to not say, hey, we're going to try and run it because they're not a running football team. They have a big-time top three quarterback in the NFL, just like Buffalo. We're not going to just sit here and, and try and do what we're not great at, what our specialty isn't. And so they throw the football and get past midfield. But, no, I don't think anything surprised them in that game from what the Bengals brought. They just simply executed better. I mean, it was – screen passes early on well the bills struggled against screens this year they penetrate with their defensive line and they're susceptible to screens the Bengals hit them with screens early on and then you know it was three catches for jamar chase early and then it was higgins then it's the tight ends attack in the middle of the field i mean it was it there i don't think there was a whole lot surprising about it they just didn't execute well enough to get the win one thing that uh that the Bengals did I thought pretty well and it's something that you know it, it, it doesn't jump out at you necessarily right away but it did in this game a little bit was the field position was dramatically in the Bengals favor I mean Buffalo was on long fields all night um, Robbins had had three punts all three of them were inside the 20 yard line he averaged almost 40 yards in so doing and and Buffalo had to, three drives started inside their 20 yard line Bengals because of turnovers and uh, they, they have two drive start in, in Buffalo's uh, territory. Uh, so short field, long field, you know, and it was a huge differential average drive start. Buffalo's best drive start, I think, was their 35-yard line. And um, so it, it's, from a field position, the hidden yard standpoint was over a football field for that game. In the nine possessions, it was like 12-yard average drive start differential, 108 yards of hidden yards. That adds up in a game like that, and you've thrown the two turnovers. Those are huge, aren't they? They truly are. When you're talking about evenly matched teams, then there's it's those hidden yards. It's the turn. It's the little things. It's the penalties. You know, the intentional grounding they called, the roughing the passer that gives the Bengals a, a, a first down early in the game. It's the no call on the pi in the end zone, potential pass interference in the end zone where they had a hold of Gabe Davis's face mask. You know, those are 50-50 calls, and they go against you, and that happens in football. You know, that's not the reason that the Bills lost this game, but it's little things like that. It's two bad punts by Sam Martin that instead of pinning the Bengals deep, then even if you do force a punt, now you're giving the Bengals a chance to flip the field. So special teams and the turnovers definitely played a role um, in, in in the time of possession battle, which was 21 to 9 at halftime in favor of the Bengals. Right. And and then, you know, when you don't execute early, when you have two three and outs in the game, when you have a turnover on your third possession, a punt on your second, and then you're allowing these long drives, no three and outs for the Bengals, then that game gets shorter and you just don't have enough possessions to get back in the football game. I thought there was no way that the Bills would only get one possession in the game when there's you know, they have the ball heading into the fourth quarter, um, and I believe that ends up being their final possession of the game. The Bengals run out the clock. And so 
to me, you know, the Bengals did all the little things, which when I grew up a Bengals fan, they weren't doing the little things. Right. We would be sitting here having the opposite conversation, but this is a well-coached, um, disciplined, experienced at a lot of positions Bengals football team, and they're playing good football. So the Bills bye week doesn't come till is it like week 11 or something like that? Yeah, first week of December. Okay, so you mentioned the injuries. Um, will it improve? Are some of these guys coming back in a timely fashion? Or is, is it going to be after the bye week for some guys? I mean, you, you're, you're losing – you lost a run-stuffing defensive tackle. You lost your best player at linebacker, best player maybe on the team. You, you lose uh, Edmonds in free agency. You lose – uh, white, you know, to injury. I mean, it is a beaten up football team defensively. What's what's it look like on the horizon? Yeah, so Terrell Bernard, who's been playing fantastic, a middle linebacker this season, he's out right now with a head. He left the game with a head injury this year. Whether this is a league wide thing or not, but and whether this was kind of cracked down on the off season, it seems like guys are missing that next game for the most part. When you have a documented concussion, we saw it earlier in the season with the Bills with Dalton Kincaid, and he finished the game by all indication. You know, he didn't even leave the game against Jacksonville, diagnosed with a concussion afterwards, and then misses the following football game. So he may be out for this Monday night game coming up against Denver. Von Miller still not all the way back from his ACL injury, but he could improve kind of heading into this by. Dawson Knox had to get wrist, uh, wrist surgery. He may be able to get back. Um, Daquan Jones, their nose guard, who you referenced earlier, who he might have been playing the best of anyone on the defense when he left. He had the highest pass rush win rate in the entire NFL for a defensive lineman playing nose guard, and they lose him to a torn peck. So potentially come back towards the end of the year. Uh, Micah Hyde left the game uh, with, I believe, what was a head injury. And so some of these guys are coming back, but you know that's the reason they pick up Linval Joseph, um, off the street and, and sign him to a free agent contract. They trade for Rasul Douglas, the cornerback from Green right. Bay, and, and those guys will will help. Um, but this the recipe for the Bills is going to be simple moving forward. They can't play from behind well because their defense is so depleted. If teams can stay two-dimensional, that's going to be really tough on them. And offensively, you're going into every game thinking we probably need to score 24 to 30 points realistically. You know, and in the Bengals, and we said that pregame, and the Bengals end up with 24 points. Now they let the, they let their foot off the gas a little bit late, knowing that they didn't need, they were likely weren't going to need to put up over 30 in the game. But that's going to be the recipe moving forward. This offense is the one that's the healthier side of the football, and they got to carry this football team. And they did not play well enough on Sunday night to have a chance to win against the Bengals. He's Eric Wood. He's a heck of a heck of a heck of a person and a heck of a football mind. There's no question about that. And we appreciate you carving time and joining us here to talk about the Sunday night battle. Uh, what did you think? Final, final thought. What did you think about the stadium with the striped look? And uh, you know, you, you, you've got your Cincinnati ties, obviously it was pretty spectacular, wasn't it? It was. I mean, I was blown away with the atmosphere last year for the Monday night football game um, with the Bills Bengals. That was that was canceled. I was extremely impressed with the atmosphere then impressed with the atmosphere Sunday night. They got the concerts going before the game. I mean, it is you know, I took my buddies, um, you know, I'm the designated driver up and back to Louisville. So many Bengals fans down there. Uh, so, you know, I drove them up and took them over to the banks before the game. And I walked into the stadium and did my media stuff. And I mean, I, I was extremely impressed with the energy um, around the building. I mean, it's 
fun times to be a, a Bengals fan right now. I, I want my Reds to get going a little bit, and I thought I thought we had a strong shot this year, but um, you know we we didn't get over the hump there. Once again, appreciate uh, appreciate you taking time to visit with us because I know I know it's a busy uh, busy time of the year, man. Football, NFL. There's there's nothing like it. It's it's the best game in the world. And congratulations on uh, on all your successes. And I know I know the Bills are going to be they'll be there. I, I I guarantee you these two teams will probably meet in the playoffs again. It'll probably happen. It wouldn't shock me whatsoever. And uh, continued success and good luck, my man. I appreciate that. Uh, always make time for you, brother. You know that. Uh, enjoyed spending some time with you here. You're the best, Eric. Have the best day you ever had, my man. You too, brother. Dave Lapham here, and every day I am grateful for my experience to have played professional football. As a player, I realize self-motivation, leadership, and appreciating your teammates are key. At First Star Logistics, you can use those same attributes to create the life you want for you and your family. Build your future by working hard like I did. You'll see results both on and off the field. Call First Star Logistics today and be part of our winning team. Opportunity knocking.